Today is Friday, September 22nd, 2023, and welcome to episode 252 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Lester Munson, NSI Senior Fellow, and I'm joined here today by Jamil Jaffer, NSI Executive Director and Founder, Jessica Jones, NSI Deputy Executive Director, and NSI Senior Fellow Morgan Vigna. Today, we're going to talk about Iran and all of the shenanigans that have been going on in terms of payments to Iran, relief of sanctions, uh, prisoner swaps, and these kinds of things. Morgan, I'm going to go to you first, but I want you to, to comment on whether we're looking at a nascent new Iran nuclear deal here. And what I'm and I'm, uh, what I'm talking about is the $6 billion that the Biden administration released to pay for five American hostages who were recently freed by Iran, uh, sanctions relief with respect to Chinese purchases of Iranian oil, and also a release of funds a couple of months ago from Iraq to Iran. What, what's your take on this? What are we looking at? Is this a, effectively a new Iran nuclear deal? You know, if you ask the administration that this less, they will say no. Uh, as a matter of fact, they've been calling it a mutual understanding or a non-agreement. Uh, they specifically do not want to call this a deal or an agreement because they don't want congressional oversight. Um, as at least three out of the four of us are, are well aware, we were in on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee when Inaro was passed, uh, the administration is required to send any agreement to Congress for review. The administration is desperately trying to, to avoid this. Um, Les, you're, you're absolutely I'm, correct. The administration sent $6 billion or released $6 billion um, from, from South Korea uh, for the Iranians for, quote, unquote, for humanitarian purposes. Let's be clear. Uh, the Iranians could have accessed this funding um, already with South Korea purchased humanitarian assistance from the South Koreans. So needless to say, uh, we know that money is fungible and this extra funding is going to go straight to the IRGC. In addition to that, um, I think it's quite notable that uh, just as the $6 billion is released for, for the hostages, um, Iran's enrichment uh, is actually slowing down. So I don't think that is much of a coincidence. However, we don't actually know what was agreed to because the administration refuses to submit um, the, the agreement to Congress or let alone tell Congress anything. Um, but quite frankly, Congress isn't asking either. Jamil Jaffer, you uh, had a little something to do with the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act in that uh, you wrote it. Uh, as I recall, it specifically says any agreement with Iran with respect to its nuclear program written or not. So. Uh, is the yeah. administration in some legal trouble here? Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. If, if in fact, the theory is right, and this is a theory that uh, you and I and Morgan have been talking about quite a bit. Um, Rich Goldberg has actually just written a piece uh, on this idea uh, just, just in the last couple of days, arguing that what you're seeing here uh, is a is a Iran deal without it being said publicly. Um, so if, in fact, there is some covert secret agreement, a handshake, whatever it is, remember, the original Iran deal was not an agreement either. It was a joint plan of action, unsigned, um, except for like I think they autographed the cover of the document, like 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 it's some sort of like record album or something. Like it's crazy. Um, so even if this is just a handshake deal, if there's something uh, going on here about the Iranian nuclear program, the agreement, the the law requires the administration to produce all materials, all conversations 
to Congress and give them time to review it before waiving or otherwise limiting the scope of any sanctions. They've already allowed the transfer of funds, so they're already in violation of the law if, in fact, there is some sort of an agreement um, on, the, on the Iran program. The problem, of course, is there's no enforcement mechanism. What is Congress to do about it? As Rich points out, there are procedures in the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act for Congress to take a vote um, and to stop and to try and stop the thing. Um, but there's no effort afoot. Democrats control the Senate. Uh, Leader McCarthy is busy with the government about to shut down. He's got a rebellion on his on his right that might kick him out of the out of office. Nobody's paying attention, and the uh, the administration's going to get away with this. It looks like uh, they have swapped five for five uh, hostages. But as you point out, and Morgan points out, they've also traded billions and billions of dollars for no apparent reason. The answer has got to be there's something else going on. The question is just, what? Is it a nuclear deal? And if so, are they violating the law? And if so, what, if anything, is Congress to do about it? Answer, nothing. Jessica Jones, uh, so, I think Jamil's yeah, entirely yeah, so. correct on, on the legal point. I want to ask you about the constitutional mm-hmm. point. In our founding document, uh, the basic structure is if there's an international agreement the Senate has to approve it. This is a fundamental nope. to the way our government nope. works. Yes, it's any treaty. Nope. And and to be clear, yeah. all or all international agreements during our founding were treaties. This this uh, this slick oh. maneuver by the administration calling it saying an agreement isn't really an agreement, saying an international a complicated international agreement isn't really a treaty. Is this good foreign policy for the American government, for the administration to be doing a deal that's not really a deal with no congressional oversight whatsoever? Well, so as Morgan pointed out, I did not work on the Iran deal. So I, I actually think of the more interesting question. So whether it's, you know, it's not, it's not, I think Constitution Day was like earlier this week. So sidestepping <laughs> the legalese this morning, I, what I think is really interesting is reading this story is, you know, we here on the podcast, we track the news closely, right? And I didn't realize the amount of Iranian crude production and the levels that it, you know, the amount that it's raised. I didn't really, I wasn't tracking the amount of shipments to China, like the huge increase. Like I, I had, it wasn't until I was getting deeper into the story that I realized the amounts, right? And so this, you know, the Biden administration's um, kind of diplomatic push in the Middle East with, you know, the Israeli-Saudi um, normalization agreement, like he's spending huge amounts of diplomatic capital there. But I feel like the news isn't tracking that. And I don't think the public is tracking that as much. Like we're so focused on China and Ukraine. So it's surprising that all of this energy and all of this action is happening. And we're not really talking about it as much as we should be. Well, just tell us about that last piece, because I don't think I don't think our listeners necessarily are tracking, as you just said, this whole Saudi Israel, you know, deal. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about a little bit on the show and we focused on kind of Saudi's request for civilian nuclear program support. But they're also a bigger part of that. And, you know, what pundits are more talking about is, you know, mutual defense pact between one of the requirement conditions that Saudi would do in the deal is that the U.S. would provide that, which actually- not necessarily, not necessarily just they a mutual defense pact is preferable, but they clearly want security guarantees. I think they understand the limitations of Congress to actually pass a treaty. So I, I think there is flexibility there. Clearly, an MDP is preferred. Quite frankly, Bibi Netanyahu also raised this with with um, with Biden in his meeting on Thursday. So the Israelis are interested in MDP as well. Perhaps the two could go in parallel. I have to plug Jinsa here. Jinsa created, wrote and released this week an amazing report on pushing for a mutual defense pact for Israel. It's perfectly timed with Bibi's uh, conversation with Biden. And I think this is both, both Saudi and Israel, both should be pursued in parallel. 
I mean, look, they might they might do that, but look, let's be real, right? The real deal on the table has nothing is not going to involve an Israeli mutual defense pact. The real deal on the table, Morgan, I hear your advocacy for it, right? The real deal on the table is Saudi recognizes Israel, Israel halts settlement settlements, and and Saudi gets a mutual defense pact. The idea of an Israeli mutual defense pact isn't on the table as of right now. And this administration, there is zero chance they're going down that road. I don't know, Les. I mean, clearly, as as the Iranians get closer to a nuclear program and the Israelis are no longer active preparing, they're actively planning for a strike on Iran. I think it is in the United States' interest to provide deterrence through an MDP in order to prevent uh, the Iranians from, well, at least making the Iranians think twice about uh, nuclear nuclearization. I don't disagree. The problem is the Biden administration is scared of their own shadow. They're not going to agree to defend Israel if Iran gets in a war with Israel because Israel bombs their nuclear facility. They have no desire to do that. There's zero chance. I mean, what are the odds? I mean, we're going to be realistic. Is there any chance they're going to do that? I think Congress would certainly support it. I, I think I, perhaps they you don't have do enough faith in Congress or, or the Senate. No, but, the, but, the, Jamil, but, but I, I actually think there is support. There. There, I think there's more support for an Israeli MDP than there is for a Saudi one. There might be, but the only way the Saudi MDP happens is if they do a drug deal to recognize Israel. That's the whole. It's not about just some Saudi MDP in general, right? I mean, I don't disagree. There's more support. The problem is the president's got to propose it. He ain't going to do it. Folks, the real issue here, folks, the real issue here is that the cornerstone of the administration's policy is a a very bad secret deal with Iran that will not withstand (laughs) scrutiny and will not last. And in fact, is even much weaker than the Obama deal from 2015. It's bad policy. It's unconstitutional. It's probably illegal. It's a huge problem. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks so much to Tatum Clifton, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Monday, September 25th for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security and foreign policy debate shaking up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard and saw, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe.